Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers pass and excel in their first major test of this season, going 3-2 and two on their road trip with an exclamation mark at the end as they hang on for a big win over the Charlotte Hornets. Before we get into all of that, I got to remind you that this support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And joining me now on Zoom is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, we had a, sorry, we had a really fun game against uh, Charlotte last night, and I feel like the it, it kind of came back to, to normal, you know? Like, that felt a lot more like the Cavs team we've seen all season. Uh, then obviously the Phoenix game when they just didn't have their legs under them and kind of just got demoralized a bit. It was, it was kind of fun to see the team kind of get back to being able to take a team's big punt, you know, haymakers and still, uh, you know, keep them at bay. Cause yeah. I, I feel like there were several times in that game where Charlotte really came like, avalanched with points and the, the Cavs, you know, Survive, survive, survive. I, you know, among the among the you know the old Larry Bird thing, uh, he never lost a game. He only ran out of time. I, <laughs> I think I think the Hornets would probably tell you they ran out of time on that one. But yeah. the Cavs, you know, held on, and, and it was it was a really encouraging game to me. Um, and you know, again, Sexland's not shooting well. The Cavs aren't shooting well. These things that we thought needed to happen for this team to to be competitive with good teams like the Hornets who are, I think, much better than either of us thought they were going to be. Yeah, I, I would uh, say so. They are, they're, they're not getting exactly what you were hope, you would hope they would get, and it, they're still winning, which is kind of hard for me to process still. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a really, really encouraging sign, and I, I would still say I'm not ready to move off my preseason prediction that the Cavs can be better than the Hornets this season, um, because I, I think the Hornets are getting pretty near 
their high-end outcomes for a lot of their players. So, like, they are really clicking on all gears to open this season. Uh, There's not as many new pieces that they're trying to integrate this year. Um, Guys like Book Knight and all that aren't really playing the the way that I anticipated, and I I expect a learning curve there. But, I I mean, the Cavs don't seem to be clicking on all cylinders yet, and they're still right there, right? Like, you you look at the the record early in the season, they're 2-1 and against the Eastern Conference, um, only loss coming against Charlotte without Darius Garland. And as you mentioned at the top, like the, the guards still aren't shooting well yet. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, I, I thought he had a, a better weekend, basically. Uh, it was a long weekend for me, so I, I'm counting both the Lakers game and this Hornets game. Um, but, you know, he, he's starting to click offensively, which is great because Laurie Markkinen is, is someone that I, I think has really, really impressed with his play early on in this season. Um, which, re- which remains funny because the shot still is not falling. Right. And the criticism of Laurie Markkinen uh, prior to this season was, okay, yeah, he can hit some shots. Yes, he he can average 20 for a month or two, but he's not really doing the other things, right? Like he, he's not contributing on the defensive end, uh, kind of soft uh, w- with his play. Th- those were the common criticisms that you've heard. So the fact that he's come out early in the season playing out of position and making an impact in ways that were unexpected or, or that weren't traditionally attributed to him, I think it's a really, really good sign. And you, you look at the Cavs up and down the lineup, there, there's a lot of guys playing in new roles, new systems. And while they're not necessarily clicking offensively, I, I feel like they are playing better team basketball and better basketball players. And I think the Cavs guards are a prime example of that. Yeah, the shots aren't necessarily falling so far this season, but they're contributing in other ways and they're playing a, uh, a style that's a little more conducive to team success. I've, I've boiled this Cavs team down and kind of what I've wanted from them into kind of one basic phrase for a while. And I mentioned it to coach Sidney Lowe when we talked before the season, talked about it since. All I want is for this team to be more than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. You know, and like right now, I feel like they are, you know, like the sum of their parts is it's a wonky set of parts. Yeah. And uh, with some of those, those players not playing the way that you think they would play, and yet they're still competitive. And there's some, you know, there's some verve there. There's some, you know, whether it's defensive problem solving or, or, uh, uh, or, you know, the talent or, or the wonkiness kind of playing in their favor in terms of the size, whatever it is, if you add up, you know, all the efficiency numbers offensively for this team, the, the kind of the portfolio, the portfolio of their, of their point guard, shooting guard, and small forward, uh, historically <laughs> defensively, they, you know, the sum of those parts is not a team that goes four and four right yeah. now, uh, given the way that they're performing on the offensive end of the ball. And yet here we are going with, uh, with a terribly tough schedule with things not really going their way. With a team that has struggled on on the road, like last season, their offensive rating was basically 10 points worse uh, when they were on the road. And that's, I mean, that's typical of young teams in general, right? That it's tougher to play on the road. Your role players traditionally don't hit the same shots. And, And last season was without crowds. This season, you do have crowds. You do have that kind of home court advantage in a more traditional sense. And whereas last year is probably more to do with the travel and the realities that we don't often talk about when it comes to NBA teams. But, you know, like it's I can't think of a just given the context and given the situation, I can't think of a more encouraging start being even possible for this team. 
Yeah, I mean, it cannot be said enough that this team has played two out of their eight games at home so far. And those two games were on a back-to-back. Yeah, they've Um, been home for basically three days all season. And and one of those days was a travel day from Memphis. Right. Uh, Unbelievable. I'm I'm no beat writer. I don't know if they flew back that. Well, I was going to say, if you're counting that, then we we can even count today. So let's not get bogged down in technicalities. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, the fact that what we're seeing, it's just so encouraging. I mean, Laurie has not hit a shot, <laughs> like, the whole way. And obviously, there's some positive regression coming on the bench, probably, with Jetty Osmond, who is setting the net on fire right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I, you just you just see the people who you're really counting on not doing a particularly good do- job shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. And, like... It and it's not like and I don't think that they are holding other teams like I don't think other teams are having terrible luck against them. Nope. You know, uh, like I, I, mean, I looked at the numbers average. today. They they're uh, uh, the opposition is shooting basically at league average for threes, which it does. It's worth noting league average is down. It's thirty four point two percent. That's so Cavs, low. <laughs> it, it's so it's so damn low. Uh, and the Cavs are opponents are currently shooting thirty three point eight percent. Uh, on, on threes against them so and it's not your uh it's not your uh you know your older brother or sister's calves this year they're they're mostly contesting mm-hmm. at a pretty decent rate i don't think that you know they're i i always you know joke about some of those post lebron part one and two Cavs teams where you know fred and ac or now john and ac would be like oh man they just can't miss i'm like yeah well they're getting uh, a series yeah. of uh, wide open threes. Yeah. Uh, Warm-up players jumpers, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, and I don't really think that's been the case in this one, whereas the Cavs are missing a lot of warm-up jumpers. Yeah, and also when the Cavs opponents are getting those open looks, they normally have to work pretty hard. Like, they're they're coming later in the shot clock. Charlotte hit a lot of really difficult shots down the stretch, and uh, you mentioned <laughs> the Larry Bird saying never lost a game, just ran out of time. Um, you know, like they with the way they were hitting shots and the way every single call was going their way, like you would expect that to even out at, at some point. Like uh, it's it, it was a wild game. Uh, I think the Cavs have responded well to adversity uh, this season. Um, it, you know, it, it's a little harder to do that when you are at a talent deficit, which they were against the Lakers as well as the Phoenix Suns. Um, but even in that game, like they, they responded uh, or against the Lakers, they responded well. Suns was just. You know, that's a write-off. But throughout this season, teams have made runs against them on the road, and the Cavs have found a way to punch back, to, to respond well. And, like, that, that is a really, really encouraging sign. And I, one of the guys that I think kind of embodies that toughness is Ricky Rubio, because I didn't think he had a particularly good game offensively against Charlotte here. Um, he, he missed a, a lot of shots. He had a couple pick-six-type turnovers. Uh, he had two, I believe, in the second quarter, and those were the first, like, transition buckets that the Cavs gave up all night. There was a third that was probably a foul it was attributed as a missed shot rather than a turnover but that led to an end one on the other end um but you know even even with all of that even with him probably having his most offensive struggles that we've seen in a regular season game with the Cavs he was still a massive positive and I I think the benefit of having a veteran like Ricky Rubio just it can't be overstated because it allows you early in this season to work through some struggles as Garland and Sexton adjust to a new system. Everybody's trying to learn how to play in in um, an offense that involves more motion, less leveraging of their individual talents that we saw in the past. And the fact that you have a steady presence 
in Rubio that allows you to go through those growing pains and, and not panic when things aren't going well. I, I think that's really, really valuable because I, I, I've said this before, I'll say it on almost every single podcast. I think it's going to pay off long-term dividends if they continue to invest in this ball movement, learning how to play off ball. And, and I, I think you're just going to see more and more growth as the season progresses. Ricky has been so interesting because he's, I think a lot of people and maybe me uh, to some extent as well, kind of thought of him as this like really steady, like almost like Jose Calderon type of <laughs> like caretaker, you know, like, and he's not a caretaker. No. <laughs> he's, he is a super aggressive and, and makes a lot of really kind of risky decisions, but he keeps the, he keeps that verve going that I talked about. You know, it's funny. I saw uh, our our friend uh, the Pod Jason Maples tweet that Ricky Rubio would be great for for the Boston Celtics. And I DM'd him. I said, "You can take Ricky from my cold dead hands." Mm. I, like, I, I reply. I responded saying, I, "I don't think traditionally speaking, playoff teams trade veterans to lotto teams." No, you don't. You know, um, and uh, like I just like it's funny. I just couldn't be less interested in in trading him. Like the the like, and I think yeah, I I said this. I think on the last pod, or maybe it was the one before that. We go in so many times a week now. It's hard to keep my head straight. <laughs> but you know, I do think like when I feel like Cavs fans were the only ones who, when they saw that trade happen, didn't just go, "Oh, well, there's someone for them to flip at the deadline." Yeah, like we were all like, "Oh, thank God." Yeah, like, an adult in a room that addresses their biggest need. And it was funny because that Maple's tweet actually inspired a question that I had in Discord, which was, if Boston called you up right now and offered Marcus Smart for Ricky Rubio, like, objectively speaking, I, I think Smart is a better player. But when you look at what the Cavs actually need, like, if they could work out an extension with Rubio, who who expressed uh, on media day, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of changing teams. I'm tired of moving around. Like, uh, it, it's been frustrating for him because everywhere he's gone his teammates have loved him uh like he, he is an elite teammate but like he he's just because he's so valuable he gets moved around a fair bit and i i was sitting there and i was thinking about that hypothetical maples had kind of inspired it um and i was like you know what ricky brings to the table that playmaking that extra juice the the presence that he has that that the positivity of ricky rubio the the flair that he has like i i don't think i i I would move on from him like I it, unless you get your socks completely blown off and, and someone comes out with a massive offer um, and, and he's a part of it. I, I, I think I'd want to keep Ricky around. It's he's just it's good vibes, man. And, and we good vibes. We, we have been like, missing out on good vibes for a while now. But like I'll say this like and, and no disrespect to the guy, but like JaVale brought good vibes. He did. But like there's a difference between good vibes in the locker room and good vibes on the court. Yeah. And like, and, and like, obviously, I thought JaVale did, per, you know, was perfectly serviceable for this team. And I was sad to see him go. Yeah. But that was like, a fun stretch of Cavs, uh, yeah. Cavs history right there. But with that said, like, Ricky is bringing, is raising the floor of this team, you know, and, and is making on games where Darius has a bad game, he can go plus 23 while yeah. shooting one of seven from the field. And that kind of stability and, and production is, is hard to, is hard to find. Mm -hmm. You know, it as as we noted, you know, like I mean, Tor Torian Prince, like he could be a a really capable, you know, spacer and shooter for this team, and it still wouldn't add up to all the stuff that Ricky's adding, which is so funny. You know, it's like it just goes to show how hard it is to kind of, you know, put this game into numbers and put this game into archetypes 
Yeah. You know, it like if you were looking at this team and you and you said, well, you know, you could probably get, you know, how Neto or someone like that. And, and there are a lot of serviceable backup point guards. There weren't a lot of serviceable backup wings. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when people were very upset that they traded Prince, I, I did not get it. I thought they were wrong, but I did not get it. Cause it's like, you look at, you know, what the Cavs came into camp, into camp with at the wing. And I think we all were like, uh-oh. And frankly, we're all still still kind of like, uh-oh. Yeah, we, we would like um, a wing. But at the end of the like day, more like more wings. But, like, th- like the, the fact of the matter is Torian Prince couldn't have done this for this team. Right. And, and I, I think couldn't. we always look at, like, kind of what the ideal archetypes are, right? Like, we'll look at whatever the best team in the league is and say, okay, that's the way you have to build. And obviously, a, a wing would be a massive, massive benefit for this team. But at the end of the day, like, talent is the most important thing. I understand that the wing is the most important position in today's NBA, but getting pieces that work together, um, getting as much talent as you can on the floor and finding ways to maximize that talent, even if it is unconventional, is the most important way to play. Look at Boston. Boston has two of the best young wings in the nba and they're not winning because they don't have someone that sets the table for them uh their play in the interior is not that great the Cavs are the complete inverse of that where you have good guards good big men and you're winning games and i'm not necessarily saying okay um this combination of players is more valuable than jason tatum or jalen brown it's talking about actually maximizing the talent that you do have and and, you know making some compromises yeah you gave up a a good three and d player in torian prince but you brought in a really good veteran that helps on and off the court and addressed one of the biggest needs which was how bad the the backup point guard play was last season like every time garland would go to the bench everything would fall apart it made things more difficult for sexton and you're you're looking at it now and i i don't know what your thoughts are on this carter but it does seem like the guards are getting more comfortable playing with rubio right like i i i think darius is being a little more assertive lately and sexton seems to be settling into his role too like obviously there are still going to be growing pains with that and i'm i'm looking forward to playing some easier competition at some point to see see how these guys do um but in a month and a half (laughs) i don't know man portland kind of sucks right now yeah well what we should cherish that if if that does come to pass because my word it is uh it is challenging right now i mean Um, you talk about positive regression currently uh some fun stats for you portland is currently giving up 19.6 wide open threes a game with a defender over six feet they're also giving 15.7 open threes a game um that is a really really nice kind of that's a nice blend of deficiencies for a team that is finally coming home and might be getting some home cooking i mean damian lillard is not playing well at all uh calves currently are only shooting 28.7 percent on catch and shoot look from three which is just absolutely crazy low but um as much as portland might be looking at this as a get right game Man, I, I'm looking at this. Cavs finally getting home. This is a really, really good opportunity for them to go above 500 nine games into the season and kind of, you know, get some good vibes going before they head on the road to face a tough test in both Toronto and New York. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You know, I do think that this is the kind of game where this is the kind of spot where you want to catch Portland. They're still trying to implement Chauncey's new kind of come up to the level they they aren't playing that conservative terry stotts defense anymore where they no. would drop they would drop back with their bigs and you know what uh turns out bad defensive personnel is still bad defensive personnel because coming up to the level i don't think is really that much better um yeah. and you know one of the th- reasons that a lot of teams like to play that drop coverage is 
if you you give up a lot of wide open catch and shoot threes mm-hmm. um if if you come up to the level and get caught and the Cavs have one of the better short role players in the league uh when their point guards get blitzed in yeah. Evan Mobley already I think he already can be trusted to make really elite decisions yeah so as long as people like Lori are spacing properly and Jarrett is, you know, uh, lurking around that dunker spot for that high-low action, which is, man, their interior passing is just, like, better and better and better. I mean, yep. freaking Jared Allen threw an alley-oop to Evan Mobley <laughs> yesterday. Like, and and we, got, we got another uh, Mobley to Laurie, two-man play, yes. which is just do, do, so much do, fun. Do people understand that seven-footers don't throw alley-oops except Nikola Jokic? I, I don't think people like, realize they're literally how the only one. Is. Like I, I guarantee you, outside of the Cavs, there are probably less than ten alley oops thrown by seven footers this year. Yeah, and the Cavs it's... probably have eight to ten by now. <laughs> it's, it's fun, ridiculous man. the skill level they have uh, among. And they're still bigs. learning how to play with each other, right? Like it's, totally, they they're once again they're they're adapting to a new system. They're learning how to implement new pieces. They're they're learning how to kind of get comfortable. Uh, with each other in really adverse situations so that's that's exciting and uh, speaking of getting comfortable with one another Carter if you had to guess what Garland's usage rate was in the preseason when he was playing with Rubio and and even you know let's let's lump in his first two games of the season how how low do you think that would be I'm really bad at usage rates I never know what the baseline is okay that's fair but anyway I'm not gonna play this game very well but I'll try I'll try my best I think with Rubio, it had to be super low, like 15 tops. Yeah, it was 15.7 in oh, the preseason. Oh, there we go. In, there in we preseason. go. And then in the regular season, the Grizzlies game, as well as his first game back against Denver, um, it was below that. It, it was sub 15%. And since that point, Darius Garland actually has a higher usage rate with Rubio on than off. With Rubio on in the last four games, he has a 26.4 usage rate, and he is averaging per 36, 22 points and six assists. With Rubio off the floor, that drops to 22.9 for usage rate, and he's averaging 18 points and, or sorry, 14 points and eight assists per 36 minutes. So one of the things that I've noticed with Garland is you still can kind of get a sense of when he's looking to score and when he's looking to pass. He hasn't really blended those two together. And I, I think when you look at the difference in those per 36 numbers with Rubio on and off, you're now starting to see him get a little more comfortable with Rubio, become a little more assertive. He's still getting those assists. But when Rubio's off the floor, the assists only drop two per 36 minutes, but the points go way down. And I think that is him missing opportunities uh, to be assertive, to to be that score and kind of forgetting some of the lessons that we learned later in last season where um, he was being more assertive offensively and he was creating opportunities for both himself and others. Now, who knows? Maybe some of that is related to the fact that he's not shooting well from the floor. Um, he, he's not hitting his threes. So that can always kind of have yeah, an down, impact down on your willingness to take. And, down to 43 and 31. Yeah. Yeah, which like are it, not the splits you want to see. Yeah, and it's easier said than done. I, I mean, you can probably relate when you play basketball. Like, yeah, you will pass up some good looks if I'm you're sorry, not shooting. He, he, uh, yeah, yeah, four, forty-three and thirty. Yeah, sorry, I was looking at his uh, his road game splits. I, I will forgive you in time. Don't you worry. Um, Thanks, but buddy. yeah, like it, I, and I think that was the case for Sexton too. Like uh, late against Charlotte, uh, both of them had passed up 
open three opportunities late in the game. And it's easy to forget, okay, they're at the end of a long road trip. But I, I do think that the bottom line is these guys need to take those open threes whenever they're available. Um, I think they've done a, actually a better job of hunting for threes. We've, we've seen Sexton do some pull-ups. Darius will, earlier in games, uh, will kind of create space and, and hunt a, the odd three or two. But they need to stick with it. They need to take advantage of every single open opportunity because when you do pass up those open looks and you're driving into the paint, you're letting the defense off the hook. They're not going to close out as hard because you're you're not as much of a threat to shoot. Um, and you very, very rarely in those instances get a wide open look when you pass up a wide open look. It's just there's usually not enough time in a shot clock for you to do that against an NBA defense. In general, like, and this has always been the problem with these, this, these Cavs is uh, early in the shot clock, they are the the kings of, you know, great being the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the play where Darius passed up the wide open three and then kicks to Colin at the top. And then he passed up the wide open three. And then they, I think they ended with a shot clock violation on that possession against Charlotte. Like that's a, that's a, that's a backbreaker, you know, yep. like those, those kind of plays are really, really challenging. And like, you know, especially with small guards, you got to take the advantages when you have them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and late in games, often when it's late in games, you're tired, you revert to your natural habits, right? And at the end of the day, Garland is most comfortable. His natural tendency is to get into the lane and create for others. Sexton's is to drive. He's best as a slasher, right? So it's not necessarily a criticism. It's just acknowledging an area for growth. And uh, when I tweeted last night, I, I think I, I was unclear because I, I said, the the easiest way for this team to raise their ceiling is for Garland and Sexton to shoot more. And it's not necessarily about field goal attempts per game. I was speaking specifically taking more three pointers, taking making the most of those opportunities because you saw when Charlotte got back in that game, it was Lamelo and Terry Rozier being willing to take those threes, forcing the defense to come out because when you are taking all of those open threes and you are a constant threat to pull up from there, guys are going to come out a little more aggressively. It's going to generate opportunities for other people, generates long rebounds. The Cavs have some length there. Like um, I, I just think it's the obvious next step um it i know it sounds like a broken record but at the same time like the, this is the best way for this team to raise their ceiling offensively yeah i i agree and i mean really just making them like <laughs> will go a long way i mean yeah you know i i don't think the volume is yet where it needs to be i'm not sure where they rank uh in the league right now i'm pulling that up but like it, it is colin it is and and it's darius and i think both of them are trying to like you know deal with the fact that they're not going in so, yeah. you know, like, oh, uh, yeah, they're 27th in the league still in volume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not a distant 30th, which they were for stretches of last season. Right. Um, but they're still 27th. And I think a lot of that does come from 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 Darius. You know, Darius should be shooting eight or nine a game. He's shooting six. Colin should be shooting six or seven a game. He's shooting four. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Like, it's, and, and it's really easy for us to to sit at home and say, hey, I know you no, guys are so are, easy. I know you guys are missing your threes right now, but you just keep taking them, you know, process over results. And you know what? Like, I, I think in general, the Cavs can I, process. Can I really quickly say this? Yeah. If the if Darius and Colin combine for four more three-point attempts a game, mm-hmm. they will jump from 27th to 18th in Ooh. the league in three-point rate. Yeah. That's, that, I, that's not that many. Really isn't really is not and, and to some extent maybe that maybe that's us 
maybe that's evidence that we're too worried about kind of where we where that landing is because four isn't that many but like mm-hmm. you no, don't don't, about, don't you don't you dare put a weed because i've i've been pretty okay with the the process so far well yeah but you're you literally said you wanted them to shoot more threes i didn't say i was worried about the team's three-point frequency oh my god very, very different thing man you're very, so very annoying <laughs> what do you who do you think do you, do you not think their threes count towards the three teams three-point total but I, i'm i'm fine Jesus, with the team's man. overall shot diet I, uh, I i actually think and i was I, about to say I, this. I hope you have a nice time on your high horse over oh, there man. looking uh, down at us plebs who count uh, players three point shots towards their team's total. You know the really, air is a really thin wild up here, but stuff. other than that, it, it is beautiful. The, the view yeah, is spectacular. Wh- just, just really unconventional stuff from me to count Darius and Collins three point attempts towards the <laughs> team's total. I, I'll tell you what. I'm sorry, I went so abstract on this one. Where else can we go with this podcast? <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I I really do feel, and part of the reason why I'm so optimistic right now is I feel the like team's process has been better than the results. Do you do you think that's a, a fair statement, Carter? Totally, man. I mean, that's yeah. I think that's really the whole you know some I well you know it's like I I almost would say the results have been better than their like than their output. You know, like mm-hmm. like they're not playing that well in my opinion, and they're still offensively, of course. Um, and it's and it's still working, you know, and that's what's so exciting right now is like you just see so many ways for this team to get better. It's not like, you know, like that early run last year, which I can't, you know, mud the angsty part of my brain is never going to stop worrying about how good they looked at the beginning of last year. But you think about they were number one in the league in deflections by a country mile. Yeah. And like just like they were they had all they were number one in defense for the first like two weeks. And, and it was like. And the and level it was of like, competition was not as good at all. Absolutely, these quality wins. It, so, so like in hindsight, you look at that and you go, "Okay, the Cavs are like like fifteenth in offense and fifteenth in defense, and or whatever it is right now." I haven't checked yeah. after last night's game, but like, like it's like, okay, this seems much more sustainable and actually could get better in, in the right context. Yeah, it really does. And I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, man. Like to integrate all these new pieces, and you know what. The players, too, because we, we talked about it before the season that these guys coming in early to camp and, and working out together and, and getting a training camp before the training camp was going to help the chemistry. And I, I think you see how the, the ball actually has momentum. There, there's juice there in the offense. Uh, the, even though Darius and Colin aren't hitting their all their shots, I think they're playing better basketball. Both of them are playing re- pretty good defense like by their standards very good but you know it's getting passable and i, I thought the game against charlotte uh, i mean by laurie's standards very good defense well yeah laurie yeah. too yeah he's he's bought in right like and, and i'm telling you those three should not be able to get stops with with superman and the hulk on at the four and the five it's like, unbelievable and the fact that they're and it really just goes to show and you mentioned this in our uh our old fear of the sword group chat where it's like you almost forget Defense guard defense is not an individual effort. It's yeah. just not. It, yeah. it is about your second and third lines and your second and third rotations. And that's why the Cavs are getting away with this because they're 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 so stout on the interior that when when players are getting to the rim, they're they're hitting a wall. And between Lori and Evan, you got seven footers that are closing out on you. 
And I think knowing that you have that interior defense behind you empowers the guards to be a little more aggressive offensively, like really get up there. And they're doing a better job navigating screens. I think Sexton's playing better off-ball defense. Yes, they still do die on screens, and they will lose guys occasionally. But, you know, Darius, like, he... He really, I, I thought Charlotte was one of the best defensive games he's played. Uh, it really, really stood out to me. And he had that contest on, on Rozier, that, that three-pointer late in the game where uh, he basically forced a, an air ball almost, just grazing the front of the rim. Uh, Sexton got a, a big steal at a massive moment in transition that 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 helped the Cavs hang on. Um, I, I'm just really, really encouraged what I'm seeing from those guards. And and. I have no concerns, just like Garland has adjusted to playing with Ricky Rubio and and finding ways to be more aggressive offensively. These guys are talented. They work really hard. We know they can shoot like there's enough of a resume there that I'm not worried about their three point shots coming around. And I think that's really important to know who's actually shooting the shots, because, you know, last year. uh, There was, you know, there was the odd JaVale and Andre Drummond three point attempt. Yep. The Cavs three-point attempt leaders in order. Laurie at 6.3 a game. Darius at 6 a game. Ricky at 5 a game. That's the one spot. But he's actually the one that's shooting okay. He's at 30, 36%. Jetty at 4.4 a game. Colin at 4.1 a game. Kevin at 3.4 a game. Yeah. Everyone who is getting any volume is at least fine Yeah. at three-point shooting, with Jetty and Ricky being the only exceptions. And those are the ones who are doing the best. Yeah. And, and and Jetty, like, let's be clear, like the bulk of his career prior to last season, like he was a pretty like you, you felt good enough about him shooting three pointers. I, I believe it was like 37 percent the previous year. Um, he He's playing better within his role. And something that dawned on me uh, last night, uh, just talking on Twitter was. We saw with a lot of international players last year because a lot of the, the quarantine rules and whatnot with COVID were different overseas. The international players came in out of shape. They weren't able to practice. They they weren't uh, running games at the YMCA like a, a lot of the players in the States were. And they really struggled early in LA that season. Fitness, Justin, come on. Well, you know, what, whatever. But they, they weren't in the same level of shape. And Jetty Osman coming in, losing his starting job, trying to, to adjust to that new role. He didn't really have the, the reps and Play, the opportunity playing, to play playing point guard most of the year. <laughs> he didn't really have the opportunity to play his way into shape. Obviously he did not respond well to that situation. No, and wanna, his decision yeah. making was bad, like in shape or not um, in rhythm or not, like the decision making was poor, but what he's doing this season. Yeah. Okay. He's shooting a little better than you would expect. That's probably going to come better. down. A there is better. going to I be mean, an. He re- could drop ten percent, and it would be like okay, right, <laughs> right. But the, the regression is going to come there. But he's taking better shots. He looks more like the player he had been the previous season. And, and I think it's fair to, to say, like last season, might be a little bit of an outlier. And um, and, and he certainly deserves this- a lot of credit as well as remaining in the rotation. Like that shot making is really, really important. And you even see him kind of contribute some of that playmaking uh, that he is capable of doing when he's playing within himself. Yeah, one of very few Cavs who, like, uh, outside of the guards that can, like, that can really run a pick and roll. Right. That's that's super valuable. Like, Okoro hasn't been able to, hasn't consistently demonstrated that yet. Definitely Lamar hasn't. Definitely um, uh, Dylan really hasn't done that. So, you know, being able to run a secondary pick and roll is not the worst thing in the world, even if it's not, the results aren't always amazing. 
Um, and, you know, ultimately, like, and we said this, we said this was possible during our off-season previews. Like, yeah. neither of us were, I would say, counting on it, but, like, we kind of kept surfacing this. Like, everyone's like, like, especially if he was healthy, we were like, Dylan's going to win the backup wing job, and yeah. it's going to be a no, no-brainer. And the cat, and either way, the Cavs are not in a good space with who they have on the wing. And we were, we kind of said a few times, like, what if Jetty is not what we thought he was, what he was last year? Cause like <laughs> there was more track record saying that he was okay at worst mm-hmm. um, before last year where he was like, I mean, I think last year he was barely an NBA player level yeah. quality. I mean, it was the, the, those numbers he slashed are no joke. They were really, really bad, but you know, it does look like an outlier right now. Yeah. Um, and, and, that and goes his a defense really still way. isn't good, but no. again, it benefits from the fact that you have such good defense in the interior, right? Like, I, I think you're able to make some of those concessions when you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley helping you if you do get blown by. Like, Jetty is, at the very least, a big wing, right? Like, he's got reach. He's going to be able yeah, to contest. Yeah, 6'11", per the last podcast you, <laughs> you had with me. I don't know. I was the, so the thrown by that. The man is an inch shorter than Kevin Love, okay? He is still a big he's, wing. He's definitely shorter than Kevin Love. I said an inch shorter. Caleb's okay. 6'8". Okay. Yeah, he's not a small wing, but I just you said he was 6'9". I'm like, no, he's not. You know, he's close enough. <laughs> close enough. Like, like Justin, we can't just height watch our way through the, through the entire roster. We got to pick our spots, brother. Uh, you know, you, you you may have a point there, but yeah. You, speaking uh, of I Kevin bet, Love, yeah. we should probably yeah. Yeah, we do need to get to him. And I was going to actually take, I was going to talk about the fact that he's going to miss, you know, at least a week or so, yeah, uh, due to uh, you know uh, health, health and safety, safety protocols. And Dean Wade was the one who got the call last night. Lamar, uh, Dean Wade, and Jetty were kind of the extras off the bench. Uh, though extra is uh, is pretty charitable. They ran an eight man rotation. Uh, and and played a lot of their starters damn near 40 minutes. Um, what did you think of the decision? I mean, obviously, well, first off, it stinks that Kevin's gone, and it's nice Big to time. be able to say that. Um, the His ability as a connector um, and just as a smart offensive player is hard to overstate, though I've, I will forever stand for, D, for Dean Wade's perimeter defense. I think, I think he's Ooh. a really smart defender. See, I, and, I don't think he's played good defense in the stints that he's been playing. I don't think he's season. played bad defense, but I think he's better than he should be. Yeah, that would I, I be agree the way that. I would and in works hard. Yeah, um I, I just don't and, think he's been at his own standard so far. So I'm actually like it does suck to lose Kevin Love. I, I believe yeah. he's third in team on off. Um for plus minus for this season. Well, as um, David Zavak noted, he was he's him, Rubio, and Evan is the is the holy uh, trinity right now. Yeah, they've been really good together. And, you know, we talked talked about the emotional baggage last time. And, uh, you know, maybe people are going to have an increased appreciation for what Kevin Love is bringing to the table this season with him out of the lineup. I I mean, God, I feel for him because this is bad luck. Like once again, you you have something come along that takes him out of the lineup. He's playing well. The team's competitive. Um, But this is also an opportunity for other guys. And, And I think Dean Wade is obviously going to get a lot of looks here and we can see how he does with a little more comfort being worked into the rotation here. So, uh, can, can I, I just say JB, my friend, I know you're a huge diehard listener to the pod and yeah, we, we, we kind of inspire at least, you know, 90% of your tactical decision-making. He, he listens um, to it as he brushes his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, and that is certified fact. Please 
expand the rotation to nine guys. These guys' legs are so tired. Evan Mobley is, is not used to playing. Like, just remember that in Evan Mobley's whole life up until now, 40 minutes was playing a whole game. I mean, remember? And, and he's playing 40 minutes against Charlotte. Like, I just... I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. There, there's diminishing returns at a certain point with this eight-man rotation where they are just giving up on plays because they're so gassed. I mean, we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just, I just feel like, especially since Windler has shown good minutes. Yeah. And you know, I know Lamar has had hard, uh, had a hard time. So you know, maybe I get you know, you don't trust him right now. Okay, you still got Windler. You still got Jetty. You still got Wade. And while those aren't people that are, you're going to write home about. You know, ten minutes of Windler that takes you know four minutes off of uh, off of uh, Rubio, three minutes off of Garland. You know, like that that stuff matters yeah. over the over the course of a forty eight minute game, especially when the other team that has more depth is able to just come at you in avalanches all night. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I just you don't I just think it's out. worth it. And, and you know what? If if it's getting down to the the end of the fourth and you're still in it and you don't really want to trust. Dylan Windler out there or whoever it might be. Okay, sure. But like I just think going in with the eight man rotation right now, it's just it's just a hard sell for me. And I understand why he's doing it, but like I just don't think it's gonna sustain, especially since again, they don't have any time off, Justin. They're they're playing every other game or back to backs, like in perpetuity. Like they're <laughs> it's insane. It it is a little brutal, and I, I completely agree. Like it's not exactly a ringing endorsement uh, of Dylan Windler at the moment that he didn't play in that game, right? Like, because you are down Kevin Love, you're down Isaac Okori. You would think that's going to create opportunities. Um, who knows? Maybe it's just a matter of let's get back to Cleveland. Uh, we're we're going to have a shoot around, maybe, maybe uh, some time to, to work on stuff and, and we can get you into the rotation. But when you, we're talking about all these things that are sustainable or, or maybe unsustainable when it comes to the Cavs bad shooting, the one thing that does feel unsustainable is being able to play this effectively to to really make an impact defensively and give the effort that the Cavs have given this season if they stick with an eight-man rotation. Like, you would imagine that fatigue is going to kick in. Hopefully, Isaac Okoro comes back sooner rather than later. He will be out against the Portland Trailblazers, which uh, that that's a, another kind of tough blow. I'm happy we're missing Okoro, but, you know, Let's get some opportunities for Dylan Windler. Let's get some opportunities for Dean Wade. Uh, maybe Lamar Stevens can work his way back into the rotation, earn some confidence in practice or whatnot. Uh, but just given the the play to this point, uh, I'm not exactly rushing to get him back onto the court. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I completely agree. I, I think you, you need to go a little bit deeper in this rotation and, and give guys or, opportunities to earn and, minutes. And I'll say this. If, if you gotta stick with eight, you got to play the bench guys more. You can't do 14 minutes for Dean Wade. Yeah. You no, got to play everyone. I, I believe if you just do straight up, you know, I, I think it's 240 minutes a game. Is that how many there are? I believe, I yeah. believe that's the case. If you split it, you know, 30 minutes a pop, that's, I mean, the closest to ideal, yeah. you know, with, you know, Robin a few minutes uh, here and there to, you know, bump your starters up a little bit. But like, you got to come, come close to that if you're going to try to do this. Yeah, because like, like especially like, like, I mean, I feel like Evan. Maybe it's just because he's a rook. Maybe I'm just getting more perceptive. I can tell when that dude is tired better than any player I've watched in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe he just shows it a lot more. 
But like when I when I see Evan with no legs it, and the difference between Evan with legs, it's like, oh man, get get this guy a break. Get Jared, Jared Allen might be up there too. Like when he got that uh, that elbow from Plum Lee, I don't know if he got hit in the plums or or if it was in the abdomen. Uh, but so dumb. But he was just he was not moving around well after that, and like it took him a little bit. But hey, you know what? Take from the last podcast that aged well. This Cavs. Is, are at their best offensively when Jared Allen is engaged offensively, when he's involved in the offense. And that doesn't necessarily mean scoring 20 points a game or anything like that. But when they are at least looking for him, when they're running plays with him, he's got gravity, man. Like he generates opportunities for other guys because when you have passers like Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland running with such a, a weapon in the pick and roll in Jared Allen, that's that really generates opportunities and the big to big passing that you talked about earlier that comes from those opportunities right like keep the defenses honest keep Jared Allen involved because when he at least gets his touches I think the efforts a little more consistent on the boards as well as defensively and uh once again like it's really easy to overlook uh Jared Allen as a young player on, on this team just because he is so polished but he's 23 years old, man. Like there is a lot of potential left in this guy. And I, I could not be more thrilled uh, with, with the start of the season that we've had from Jared Allen. It's uh, it's been really, really fun. He and uh, he and Evan just have a great synergy on the defensive end of the ball. And I think they kind of relish that, you know, like that, like you run into one, then oh crap. The other one's there. And dude, it, the, the potential of those two, like the fact that they look this good two weeks into age. playing together two weeks into playing together at this age, like I, I do not have big worries about them on either end of the floor. Like that seems to be a pairing that works. And it's, it's really, really encouraging. Like what was the number one thing we said going into last season that by this time next this year, we wanted to know what the Cavs identity was. We wanted to, we, we said it would be hard to not have some judgments for Colby Altman. If we went into this season and we didn't know what the identity is, this team has an identity we know what they're actually striving towards like the bones of something that feels sustainable that feels exciting when you look at the the ceiling of this group it exists right like we're still going to go through, through growing, growing pains but now it feels like okay we're building for something bigger than this year we have a franchise player in place we have these cornerstone pieces we have these great building blocks and when you have those building blocks in place it makes it easier for role players to play well within a role jetty osman is a great great example of that I, I just feel like th this team is in such a healthy place right now and man it, it is really really exciting it is man it just it just feels good and you know they don't just feel good Justin they look good you Ooh. see the city uniforms I really like them man I really like them as well I, I I'm not the that's biggest one of my fan. that's one I'm... of my favorite uh looks mm. You know, like like I love that color scheme. Oh, I, I um, love the colors. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the the massive logo on the front, but for like uh, an anniversary jersey, um, kind of you know honoring the history of the franchise and whatnot, it's kind of cool. And, and it's another one of those things where it looks a lot better on players. Looks amazing on Jared Allen. Like the uh, the retro look with the afro is, is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, a cap look that has a 100% success rate for me is the, uh, if you look right on the sleeves of those jerseys, the kind of the alternating colors, mm -hmm. the kind of the 
pin, almost like the pinwheel colors. I don't know the right word yeah. for it, but like, I really love every Jersey they've ever done that has that look. And look at that basket V on the shorts. Woo, buddy. If there was a basket V across the chest, instead of the, the larger logo, like that might be one of my favorite jerseys ever. So, so fun fact, every, every uh, time uh, for, for a long time with the Cavs and NBA 2K, I would go and change their core and their logo to that logo. Oh, Actually, that's pretty really cool. Like that logo. That's pretty so, cool. <laughs> I was very happy to see that, to say the least. And uh, I, I'm really excited. And the court, man, geez, did did you see how nice you know, that the court, court is? Gorgeous! Like, oh my god, that, that's really really cool. It just looks so crispy. I'm really excited to see it. I'm going to be and, playing with that uh, a lot in 2K. Person. I will absolutely be playing with that a lot in 2K because I love that last year when you would change the jersey and you'd get the court change as well. Oh, oh, oh yeah. look at look that at thing. this thing. It is so pretty. I love the little three one knot at the bottom. Very gentle, uh, not not overwhelming at all. It's crispy. I like this. I like the way the colors uh, kind of pop. It just feels very vintage to me. Totally agree, man. Well, you know, this feels like a great place to wrap it up. One last thought that I almost got to, and then we we change topics. Remember when the criticism coming into last year was that JB Bickerstaff doesn't play rookies. He, he just doesn't like playing young yeah. guys. Yeah, I'm hoping that the next criticism that goes away is that he doesn't play as deep. Uh, he plays too short of a rotation. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Maybe we got, oh, James, James is wrong. We, we also got, you know, doesn't know how to run an offense or whatnot. And we said, hey, wait for personnel. Like, let, let's see how this evolves. Four, wait, fourth wait. in the NBA and assist rate right now. Wait for a, a, a season where they actually get to practice, where, where they get to work on some stuff together. And you know what? The early returns are really good. And this is why we never speak with much confidence when it comes to coaching, because we don't really like I think coaching is a really easy thing that people will go to to avoid pointing out what the players they care about need to improve on uh or or even just the the realities of the roster and, and the realities of last year's roster was it needed an infusion of talent we got that infusion of talent and you are seeing a more modern offense you are seeing uh, all the things that we wanted to see and we see young players playing um it's it's just funny how those narratives will uh will pop up and stick it's every coach in the nba gets reduced to a caricature and and it's always amusing to me yeah, it is. And uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, it does feel like JB is someone who is uh, who is learning mm-hmm. uh, and consistently growing and changing his kind of ideas of what the game is. That's what you hope everyone does, you know, and I, I, I'm still very, very happy with him. I think players are super bought in with this guy. The, the buy in is um, the the number one thing that, that stands out, right? Like that's I think what they you had it last year, too. You know, yep. even when things were pretty terrible, I thought they still were playing pretty hard. They just didn't have the the horses to keep up with NBA teams on a night to night basis. And now they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of get maybe maybe that's a good reason why JB is like, bro, I'm not playing more than eight guys because I I'm used to playing people who couldn't hang and they didn't. It was painful. <laughs> You know, but uh, but you know that's uh, that's going to be the kind of the interesting balance this coaching staff's going to have as they kind of balance short term success with mm-hmm. long term development. You know, obviously we want to see guys like Windler get their shot, um, and, and uh, we'll see if that ends up being the case. I think you know that like we've seen kind of the upsides and the downsides to that strat, and it's going to be fun watching this team continue to navigate this early season stretch. Like, and it's just fun getting to be stressed out watching the watching this oh, team. Man. I'm, it's I'm having so, so nice much fun being this stressed again. 
I, I'm having so much fun this season. Hope, like, hopefully, the fact that hopefully we, we can ruin Larry Nance's return to Cleveland with the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just think about the fact that how many games by the mid-first quarter last year you could turn them off. Yeah, and mean, that, there hasn't been a single one this year. And every other game has made it at least the mid-fourth before it got out of hand. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. Except Phoenix. So, yeah. like, so, like, you know, that's... That's all you can ask for. I mean, this is this has been a, a dream start as far as I'm concerned for this team. And you it's a well prepared that, team that's bought in. You, you, and you that's all you can ask start, for. You just hope the shots start falling, and then you know everything else just falls into place. You know, and that's they're gonna have to stay sharp even when uh, when that stuff does start trending back, uh, and they can't backslide anywhere else. But Matt, you if, know what? If, if they don't, I, it'll another be thing really I forgot. Exciting. Another thing I forgot, and, and I know we want to wrap this thing up, but we, I forgot to talk about Paul George's comments that the Wilson ball, the changing of the game ball, has really had an impact on, on league shooting. And uh, b- just before we came on the podcast, uh, Shams tweeted out that the NBA teams and players are working together to look at what adjustments are necessary for the game ball. So when you talk about this shooting, it is not a Cavs specific phenomenon. This is league wide. And it seems to be that the change to the game ball impacted shooting. So who knows, maybe the, the Cavs uh, shooting woes will be uh, addressed by the league <laughs> in fixing this game ball. Here's hoping, baby. Uh, one of the weirdest, one of the weirdest things I had not even thought about the the change no. of the ball at all. No. I was just thinking the defense, but who knows? Uh, I, I think that either way, there is uh, some regression, uh, positive regression coming for the Cavs. And you know what? Even if they don't change the game ball, maybe Jetty Osman can give them some tips on on how to shoot with this ball. Uh, seems to be doing him a lot of good. He's doing just, he's like, don't change the ball. <laughs> for, for the, the love, love of God, <laughs> do not change the ball. Oh, man. Maybe Wilson balls were made in Turkey. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I'm excited for the Cavs. Hopefully uh, they can uh, come out to a strong start here and get a win against Portland. I want everyone watching on YouTube. Thank you so much for uh, t- for hanging out with us for a little bit. Always appreciate it. Make sure you like and subscribe and click the little notification bell so that you know that when we are going live, if you're listening via podcast, make sure to leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of a review on any platform to chase down at gmail.com and we would be more than happy to send you an invite make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go guys. Okay.